Hello and welcome to the Zelda Informer podcast. I am your host, Alfred Tavex, joined as always by my co-host, Andy Spatiri. Hello, everybody. So this week, I'm trying something new. Sorry to those of you that are listening on the audio version. Um, To make it easier for the people that are watching on YouTube, I'm going to be putting to the... Whatever this side is, this is my left, probably... That's still the left side of the video. Um... There's going to be different, uh, like, tabs going down the side about each story. And in that, I'll link to uh, each of the times. The topics and stuff? Yeah, for each of the times. Well, like, uh, whenever we talk about, like, our first topic we're going to talk about Mm. is the DLC. And so we're going to, I'm just going to put a tab that pops out on the side and you'll see that, and it'll also have an annotation that you can click, and it'll take you straight to that time uh, in the video. Um, I'm going to try to do... I think that's a cool idea. I always appreciate that when watching music yeah. and stuff. So I'm going to try to do more of that uh, so that you guys, like if there's a specific topic you want to listen to over the others, or you really don't care about the rest of it, but you really want to hear our opinions on one of these things, um, just, you, you know, you've got that option now. And uh, so without further ado, let's get straight into it. So uh, probably some of the biggest news this week... Uh, was the announcement and well not the announcement but the revelation of what was going to be contained in the Breath of the Wild DLC pack number one. So I'm going to give you a rundown of it uh, briefly um, and then we're just going to talk about some of it. So you have the Trial of the Sword um, which is basically like in uh, Twilight Princess where you had the different uh, levels of the dungeon. Um, there's about 45 rooms in total. Uh, and the power of the Master Sword, this is their quote, will be awakened, and it will always Ooh. be in its glowing, powered-up state while usable. Uh, then you'll have a Hero's Path mode, which shows the path that Link has walked through Hyrule from the last 200 hours of gameplay. Um, it's interesting, I don't really know why they did that, but, you know, they'll, they'll do what they want. Um, then we have a Hard mode, uh, where enemies regain health. Um, and they'll be powered up by one level, so red bacoblins will be blue bacoblins, and so on and so forth. Um, and apparently you might actually find new enemies and, or just enemies and treasure chests in the sky now, on like these little floating platforms with balloons on them. Um, then we have the travel medallion, which is basically where you can create a, um, what was it, an Ocarina of Time, Feori's Wind type thing where you have one travel location and you can always jump back to it once you've you set it down. Um, furthermore, they talked about more armor. And the thing that I like about this um, is that you don't actually need the amiibo for it. All of these are going to be somewhere around Hyrule. So you've got Majora's Mask, which is literally just Majora's Mask. Um, you have Midna's Helmet. Um, but then you also have the entire Phantom Armor um, from Phantom Hourglass. You have the Helmet, the Armor, and the Greaves. Then you've got My Tingle's outfit. Favorite. Tingle's outfit. Oh, yeah. With the hood, the shirt, and the tights. Um, and then there's a Korok mask that they're also going to be putting out that shows um, mm-hmm. or shakes whenever Link is near a Korok seed location. Um, and so this is apparently just a taste, quote-unquote, of the content included in Breath of the Wild. Um, 
And then they released an update. Um, they did a few things that we'll also talk about a little later, but the update prepared for this. Um, and you can also go see um, if you have it for it. It's weird, but you can go see where like there's a button on the map or on the menu now that shows where the DLC is and it shows you the screen says DLC purchased or expansion pass purchased. Um, so it it so far this is looking pretty good. I like the idea yeah. of the, the trial, the cave of trials type thing because um, that's always fun to do. Uh, but yeah, you you give us your um, opinion on it first. I, the the thing that I that I like the most about this, which I didn't actually like read until I until I reread it a few times in, was the Korok mask. Because one of the like one of the things that I wished was in Breath of the Wild was that you could take a picture of the Koroks um, and have it. I was going to say on dowsing, but on your radar, so that it would like it would lead you towards Koroks, and that wasn't there. So I think that this will be really clever. Because like I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, I was like I was like two hundred Korok seeds in, and I was like. Eh, I don't know if I want to finish this. So I, just, I had a bunch of other games to play, so I started playing those. So I and I left them, and I left them there, thinking that I would come back to uh, to finish them all up and get my golden poop when the DLC came out or whatever, right? So this is just really smart. It's a really clever way to um, to make defining that a lot easier. So um, maybe like maybe uh, not the first thing you think of when you when you look at all the cool stuff in this DLC, but like uh, I think it'll be really like really cool it'll really streamline um how you get along so that's uh that's one thing that stands out to me one like trial of the sword we've seen it we've seen it before in uh in twilight princess so wind waker yeah you know that's it, it's kind of like whatever like they're always fun to do they're neat but uh it's not it's not moving the needle for me a whole lot <laughs> i don't i don't mind this hero's path actually because like I think basically what it tells you as reading up on it, it basically tells you like the, the areas that you spend the most time in and then the areas that you don't. So that'll also probably be pretty helpful for finding Korok seeds. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's just kind of neat. You can, you can, you know, uh, explore around somewhere that you maybe haven't, uh, haven't explored around a lot. And uh, I don't know, see, see kind of where you've been the most. I'm, I'm curious as to see as to what part of the, of the region that I've been in the most. So I think that's like a neat little little feature. Mm -hmm. My my hope is that the armor and masks are fully upgradable. Uh, because... I, I think they will be. Well, we say that, but the... Well, that's not true. The, the cap of the wind and stuff like that is upgradable. Um, <clears throat> so they're, they're all upgradable. They're just very hard. You have to get star frames. Well, the only ones that aren't upgradable are like the, the Shadow Link outfit. Um, and then yes. the Nintendo Switch shirt. You can't uh, upgrade mm -hmm. those. Um, I hope they are. I want to see if there's any special attributes to them. Um, I'm not that I'm disappointed, but I'm surprised that they also, with Majora's Mask, didn't put in the Fierce Deity Mask, uh, which would have been well, pretty cool. To they see. will. That that's going to be the amiibo. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. So, yeah, the amiibo yeah. locks that, and then you get this, the tunic of the sky, and then you get um, what's the other one? I, I think it, the Twilight Princess one just gives you the Twilight tunic or whatever yeah um and then you have the sword stuff yeah, yeah that's right yeah, okay yeah. um but yeah i i like how those look i like the korok mask as an idea as a concept um it'll be interesting to see how well it plays out and if it's something like does it shake more whenever you get closer is it like a hot and cold thing mm -hmm. um so <clears throat> that's something i'm very interested in in seeing how that plays out um I, i'm excited for the cave of trials type thing because that's always been like slightly fun to me um we're probably gonna see something like you start out with red bacoblins 
um, and blue yeah. goblins, and then like slimes or, or uh, choo choos, um, and then you know you fight a lionel, then you fight two lionels, and that's that's kind of where that goes. That would be like imagine fighting two white lionels, and that that would be like ridiculous. You just get them to, to attack each other. That'd be oh. my plan. Full size guardians, like it just really depends on how big the rooms are, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that'd be pretty cool to see. And there's really the thing is, is there's not a lot of like enemy variation in uh, Breath of the Wild. So like, not really, it's basically just higher grades of enemies. Yeah. So you've got like moblins, bacoblins, choo choos, lionels, um, keys. Uh, You'll, you'll probably see a lot of those guardians that you fought in the shrines. Yeah, I have to guess. Those, those guard, the shrine guardians. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not a wide variety of, of character or of enemies like you saw in Wind Waker, where you could take pictures of all the different enemies and put them in the gallery. Um, but you know that's that's neither here nor there. I'm just interested to see how they implement this in in the um, Cave of Trials type thing. If you know, it is a ladder of progression and difficulty. Um, or if, you know, maybe it's, they introduce new enemies. I know that's doubtful, um, but it'd be pretty cool. Uh, aside from that, I think uh, everything else about this is pretty cool. Um, again, like I said, I don't really necessarily get the Heroes Path mode, but that's because I haven't played it out yet. Um, I don't know how, it's, how it works, but we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see, yeah. yeah. Like, it, could be, it could be okay, you know, like... A- the, the way that I feel about this entire DLC announcement is, is like, if this were um, a DLC pack that you could just purchase, like, standalone, like, I probably I probably wouldn't get it. Well, you can. Find. You could purchase a standalone. Can you now? Yeah, you can buy, you can pay for DLC pack one. Or, or can you? Or do, can you only do it if, if you get the expansion pass? I thought it was only the expansion pass. Oh, well, then maybe. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I could be wrong. You're you're right. You have to buy the expansion pass to get all the DLC. So so yeah. So like, I mean, we're buying like most most fans. I if I had to guess, are buying the expansion pass for the dungeon and for the story, right? So like, this is kind of like a nice little warm up to that. Um, like I said, if it like if it was separate, I probably would I, like I probably just pass on it because like a lot of this stuff is cool. Um, but it's, it's not like it's not like stuff that that you know. Um, you need or, or that is really enticing at least to me mm-hmm. so but for for like what it is like i think that there's some cool stuff in there like some neat little features that i'll get me <clears throat> like back into breath of the wild um before the dlc comes out in like december or wherever that is i'm very interested to see what they do with the second dlc then too um in terms of the dungeon because i don't i don't remember if we talked about this in depth but um i wonder if they're actually going to do like a full dungeon or if it's going to be another one of like the beat the you know, divine beasts type dungeons where it's really short and you know can be done in half an hour if if that. Um. I, I would have to <coughs> suspect that it's probably like a dungeon, like a divine beast. Um, I hope that I'm like I hope I'm wrong, but uh, yeah. but I mean I like again like they can't really do another divine beast because that wouldn't make sense for the story. So maybe maybe it'll be something along the lines of like. <clears throat> the Yiga clan's um lair because like that was yeah. dungeon-esque you know yeah I, i'd agree and you know technically everything uh even like ganon's castle was a dungeon um or not ganon's castle kind of sort of yeah um so it might be something like that it might be like a new landmark in the world or i don't know it's gonna be interesting to see how they do that unless they just open up another section of the map 
um, like um, you would see in DLC for like Skyrim or something. I I still feel, and I don't know if maybe we're going to talk about our DLC predictions a little bit more in the future, but like I, I still feel that this is going to be set 100 years previous, this story DLC. <laughs> that would make sense to me because like, like really there's nowhere left to explore in Hyrule. Yeah. So. Well, that's why I, you know, I'd say that if they were going to do anything that they would like open up another section of the map uh, like you would see, like you see in Skyrim um, with the DLC in that game where whenever they added like a new new place to go, it was a new continent or something and um, the map just kind of expanded. And so that would be the easy thing because, or the easy way out because otherwise you're just going to make a, a dungeon pop up in the middle of Hyrule that wasn't there your first, you know, however many hours you played through the game. Um, yeah. that, that wouldn't make sense aesthetically or design-wise. Uh, so, all in all, again, though, shrines just pop up out of the ground, so... That's true. Um, but all in all, I don't, I don't think that this is a bad DLC. Um, I haven't actually seen a lot of people's reactions to it. I've kind of stayed away from that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that it's a good way to tide people over until the next DLC. Um, the the Cave of Trials is really what makes it for me. Um, mm-hmm. Because otherwise, if it was just like, oh, well, you got these new masks and um, the Hero's Path and Hard Mode, it's like, eh. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of you know cheating you out of out of it. Basically, you're paying ten dollars for each of these DLC packs um, yeah. with with the well in in United States dollars. Uh, Canada's yeah, got paying like, a little bit more. Yeah, you got like fifteen uh, yeah. per pack, but for what it I, is, I think, I think it's think a it's smart. Good. I think it's a smart idea because it'll get people back playing. Yeah. A, a lot of people like me that, that didn't get all the Korok seeds. So now that it's easier, I'm sure that they're going to explore around to get it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I mean, there's a reason that the Cave of Trials is back. It's, it's a popular fixture. So uh, I, I think it's a solid DLC pack. I think it's it's like a solid appetizer for the main course. Yeah. That's coming later. Well, and they also, like, they're adding new, like, mobile fortresses kind of things. You know, like you saw on the mm-hmm. ground um, where you had to go up levels to fight Moblins and Bacoblins and... They're adding those like like floating around or like just different moblins floating around, which is which is cool. That adds more life to the area, um, gives you more things to do in the sky. Um, so the sky is basically more planned out and more alive than Skyward Sword Sky was. Um, <clears throat> so I'm I'm interested to see how that plays out. It'll definitely get me back into it because I you know clocked in about seventy hours um, doing most of the stuff in the game, um, and I I. I didn't have don't really have a reason to pop back into it. Um, what was so, your final Korok seed count? I have no idea. It's not nearly anywhere close to nine hundred though. Yeah, <clears throat> it took me a while to figure out uh, some of the the tricks and what some of the things were for the Korok seeds. So like, mm-hmm. whenever there'd be a circle of rocks, I was like, well, "That's weird. I don't really know what to do here." And then I was like, "Oh, there's a missing rock here. I pick it up, put it down." Um, or whenever there was one of those, uh, like block puzzles where you have to match the two shapes. Yeah. I, you just so that, randomly put the block in the other, yeah. the other post or whatever. That took me a sec. That took me a bit of like, every time I saw it, I was like, okay, this has to be something. And I had to explore that. So, uh, I didn't, I don't remember where all those were, uh, in the, in the world. And I don't know if I've hit all of them yet, but we'll see. Um, so I guess moving on then, let's talk about the update to Breath of the Wild. 
that was released. I think it's version 1.2.0 now. Um, <clears throat> I might be wrong. But out of all the stuff that they did, I think the biggest thing is the option to have different uh, voicings in the game now. Yeah. Um, and this was something that I talked about a lot when the game was first coming out, when it was revealed that we would only get the English version. Um, as I really so I was like, oh, I want the the Japanese voicing back. I want I want to hear that again. Um, and having played through the entire game with the English cast, and then trying to listen to the Japanese cast was it. it I I prefer the English cast now. Um, I the I don't like the voice actress for Zelda in in the Japanese version. Rivali doesn't sound like Rivali, uh, so like I prefer the English cast now. Um, but it's still yeah. it's still nice to have that option. I just don't think I'll use it. Granted, there make a lot of people happy, which yeah. is which is a win. Um, it probably should have been included at the beginning, but I, I think it's important that you kind of got because especially if uh, if these are going to be like if you know if. Uh, if she's going to be the voice of Zelda going forward, I think it was important that you got accustomed to that voice um, in in the game without having that yeah. option to kind of listen to something else. So I think you're right about that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if when they do the new story DLC, if you'll be able to switch that um, to the Japanese or English, or you'll have to stick with that as English. Um, otherwise, like if, if that feature is going to be locked in the DLC, I, I don't know why they do I that. Know, I would imagine that once they do it, they can't, like rain that back in for DLC, That's true. but I guess it is a separate piece of content. So I, d- I think that would be kind of weird if they if they let you do this feature now, but then don't in the new DLC. And then like, what do they do? Release an update for the DLC? Well, there's always kinda... the second option of the the DLC um, <clears throat> not being a part of the main world in the sense that like you have yeah. load game, continue story, and then like DLC, whatever that's listed as, and it's its own separate entity. Um, and so that's always an option so they can do whatever they want with that then um, that's kind of like a uh, I think that's like a Witcher Blood and Wine type thing um, where you have the option to choose the different DLCs as opposed to the main story um, it still takes your progress from the old story, uh, the original story but it's its own self-contained area um, but like you said, that this will make a lot of people happy, you can listen to it in you know, English Japanese French, German, Italian, Spanish, Spanish. I think Chinese is in there. Uh, um, I was reading a tweet from Jose Otero, uh, the host of IGN's Nintendo show, and he said that the Spanish Zelda uh, voice actress is actually really good. That was probably his favorite. So if any of you guys are interested in listening to Zelda in other languages or whatever. Yeah. You can listen to Link not in other languages too. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> I think it's just the same same guy for all of them. His he's the one that didn't carry over. And I think it's been the same guy for like the last twenty years for all Pro- of them. Probably. But well, except for like Toon Link and stuff. That's true. But we have uh that option now. It's a good option. And um you just go into the menu and you go into your options and then you scroll down to voice mode, I think is what it's called, and then you can choose to change the language there. It'll only happen when you restart the game um so like you'll have to save and get out of the game or out of the game go back to the main menu and then you can get back into the game and do the voice act uh, the new voice that's kind of neat that like you can even do that like because i would have almost thought that you'd have to start a new game in order for that so that's kind of cool yeah it's yeah 
I'm just glad they they did it. Um, like I said, I'm not a fan of the Japanese cast, like I thought it would be. <coughs> I prefer um, the f- woman that did Zelda's voice. I really like her now. Um, yeah. Definitely grew on me. You know, so, it's just it's one of those things where it it just takes it took a while for a lot of people to get used to because I think everyone just had their own idea of what Zelda sounded like, you know, for such a long time. So when you when you just put a voice to that, it's just. It, it takes a it takes a little bit to let that sink in. So in that sense, I think they were probably right in just having the the region log voice acting. But well, I think it was more along the lines that like for me, it wasn't that I like didn't like I I didn't like her voice acting at first, but it wasn't like a it's a little complicated. But essentially, it wasn't because that's not how I expected Zelda to sound. It's because I wasn't a fan of how she sounded. But as as Zelda progressed, it seemed like she as a voice actor progressed in her confidence. And so mm-hmm. Zelda, so it, it fit. Um, and I got more used to it and I got more accustomed to it and I liked it. Uh, so it, it did have to grow on me. But I agree when you said that if she was going to be the Zelda voice going forward, that Nintendo fans would have to get accustomed to her. Um, so that's why there wouldn't be voice options in the game uh, for different languages. Because now we are accustomed to hearing Zelda uh, done by that specific person exactly and and so that i think that was a good move because now we're all accustomed to it hopefully um uh, and i know there's still gonna be people that don't like her but I don't, I'm, I'm recanting my statement don't burn me uh at the stake i i think she's a great voice actress and i look forward to hearing more from her is as zelda either in the dlc or moving forward in the series you know, some people thought that David Hager sounded weird when he first voiced Solid Snake. Like, why does he talk like that? You know? <laughs> and, and look how that look how that turned out. So, yeah. And then you go straight from four to five, and it's like, wow, I miss David Hader. Like, Kiefer Sutherland's oh, fine, but he had like five lines in the entire game, anyways. So it's not like it really it mattered. Bad. I, don't I think love it was... Metal Gear Solid, but like, yeah, the game was awesome, but like the the story, such as there was, was just. That's because of all the stuff that happened at Konami. Yeah. It's just, it, it, the game was unfinished in its, like, form. There's so many, like, loose ends. It's too bad because it was a really fun game. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's really fun. It, it's, it probably plays the best that as, like, it's yeah. the best gameplay-wise in terms of control scheme um, and all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, story-wise, 3 is still my favorite. And then even game, gameplay wise, three, three is one of my favorite games. Like yeah, ever. oh my gosh, it's so good. It's so great. Three, it's Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater is probably the pinnacle of where we're gonna get as a society in video games because mm-hmm. it's that just it's, it's just... a masterpiece. <coughs> um, but shoot me if you disagree. Like that's probably gonna happen. A lot of people disagree with me on that, um, if, especially about it being the best. Those central sums of liberty, uh, but. Speaking of third-party games that have nothing to do with Zelda, let's talk about a third-party <laughs> game that takes a lot of cues from Zelda. And this is probably my favorite news of 2017 so far. Uh, so the rest of the year has to live up to this one moment in time. That is the Darksiders 3 announcement and subsequent reveal trailer. I have been waiting for this game for so long, and I have been... So impatient because I wanted it. And then THQ went out of business and then they were bought out and the rights to Darksiders were bought out. And then we got Darksiders 2 Definitive Edition and then War Mastered. And we're like, well, 
So they're obviously know that we want these games. Where's three? Mm-hmm. And then THQ Nordic, the, the new company that uh, they, they rebranded themselves THQ Nordic. It used to be Nordic mm-hmm. Games. Um, released the trailer for Darksiders 3. And I am beyond excited for that game. Darksiders. So can you can you walk me through a little bit of Darksiders? And because first of all, like I've never I've never played Darksiders, but I did download uh, Darksiders one the other day for Xbox. It was on uh, Games of Gold, so I've got that in my queue ready to go. And but I always get confused. I see, and I can never remember if it's Dark Souls or Darksiders. That takes a lot of cues from the Zelda series. I mean, I think they both do to some extent. Um, but Darksiders is a little bit more like zelda because zelda as much as people will probably disagree zelda is like a hack and slash um just not to the extent of a dynasty warriors game um can be yeah uh like i mean you're, you're hacking and slashing with no real like you know precise movement you're just you're just wiping out enemies with that um but Darksiders is like a hack and slash game with like puzzle elements. Uh, you go through dungeons, um, get keys for the dungeons, get to the final boss. Um, there's even a water temple in Darksiders 2. Is it uh, awfully hard? No, it's just annoying. Okay, wow. um, <laughs> okay that's about right. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Darksiders 1 is great. Darksiders 2 plays completely different. Um, and that's an important thing to note for anybody that wants to jump into the franchise before Darksiders 3. 1 and 2 play in completely different ways. Um, don't expect for them to feel the same because they're not. De- uh, Do they – like which one's more like a traditional Zelda? Is it 1 or 2? A lot of people say 1. Um, yeah. But I, I'd say they're both like – I haven't played 1 in such a long time. Um, but 2 is, is a really good game. Um the story is fantastic. There's so many like subtle ways they told the story, especially in one, um, which I didn't fully understand until I was in Greek this past two years of how they set up the, the game or the story for the first game. Like, so everything was obvious. If you just knew one word in Greek, that was it. Um, but it's, a fantastic game, fantastic series. Um, Mark Hamill's in the first one. Really? Yeah, he voices uh, the Watcher. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then, so you have him in the first one. Uh, the story's great. If you look, one of the things that people are complaining about about three um, that I think is really stupid is they're like, oh well, you know, why do you have uh, you got war and death, but. It's stupid that they're they're changing it and making this one Fury and then there's Strife. I'm like, no, that's how the series has always been. In one and two, the the four horsemen in this series aren't the four, aren't like the same four horsemen like of the, the apocalypse. Four horsemen? Yeah, I think they take more because um, I know there's like uh, Irish slash Scottish folklore in this game too, um, but like because in this game you've got war, death. Fury and strife, as opposed to war, death, pestilence, and famine. Um, but there's still there's a lot of like different uh, mythologies. So you've got like Eastern mythology, and then you got your Western mythology with with some Christianity basis um, in you know eschatology for the end of the world. 
um, which is, it's really cool. I love the way that the story's told. I really hope that they do it justice. Um, That's again, really cool. I'm, I'm excited to play this now, um, especially after, because it, it looked really interesting. And mm-hmm. I, when I downloaded it, I was like, I think it's the Dark Souls game that everyone always says is like Zelda, but like, this looks kind of cool. So, so I downloaded that and uh, I'm playing, uh, I'm playing Axiom Verge right now, that's, which is that's like, good. Which is like such a great callback to like Super Metroid, like mm-hmm. a true spiritual sequel. So hopefully that's this is kind of another uh, awesome callback after that. So as I as I play, I'll kind of let you guys know um, <clears throat> my thoughts and whatever on it. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to play it. The story looked pretty cool. I, I like kind of like the like the clashing of mythologies and everything mm-hmm. like that. That's always like interesting to me. Actually, side note, I don't know if you've ever read it, but have you ever read American Gods by Neil Gaiman? I've been meaning to. Uh, show just premiered the other day kind of like yeah. kind of like the same kind of concept so really cool really looking forward to watching that <clears throat> um but just to kind of give you guys a rundown of the story um you'll hear this is the precursor and this is what sets everything in motion so in the first game at the very beginning uh someone or something blows the horn that signals the apocalypse early as opposed to it being on time which was the creator's time um, they don't say god they don't name a specific um name they just kind of go with the creator um and so literally the apocalypse just decides this just takes place after the horn's blown everybody blames the horsemen war for it and then they wipe out humanity all humans are completely destroyed as a result of this and so then in the first game war is going to um trying to clear his name so it's like a uh really weird like Oh, dang it! I had something for this. It was it was it was the movie with Harrison Ford where he and Tommy Lee Jones, uh, where Harrison Ford didn't kill his wife. It was the one-armed man. Got whatever. So somebody, somebody's gonna correct me on that. That's what I had for it. Yeah, I blew it. Sorry. Um, the second game is about Death, the Horseman, trying to also clear his brother's name, uh, and resurrect humanity. And then three is about Fury taking on the seven deadly sins, which were released. Um, so that's very, it's kind of a departure from that, but that game, so each character has seemed to got, seemed to have gotten more nimble because war was very like bulky and stocky in the way he moved. Death was more, um, flowy kind of, uh, I guess is, is the word for it. Um, but it looks like fear is going to be way more nimble. Um, so I'm just I'm really looking forward to these games. Uh, I know that I'm just like kind of rambling about it, but I I'm just unbelievably excited. These this so, is one of my favorite series. Is each like so? For example, is Death like kind of a different entity um, in in every game, or is he like the same kind of character? It's it's the same character in each game. So in War, in, in the first game, Darksiders, um, you've got War, and they're all like the the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They're all siblings. Um, mm-hmm. They're this is kind of where it takes a departure from like uh, biblical eschatology. They're Nephilim in in the um, in the mythology, the mythos of Darksiders. And Nephilim are across typically between humans and sons of God, which angels typically is what a lot of people think. Um, and so, in the series, the four horsemen are are Nephilim that broke away from like a Nephilim uprising in heaven. And they became the force when of the apocalypse. And so you've always got war, you've always got death, and then fury and strife. And they're always the same. 
um, throughout the games. You just only see one in each game. You get references to other ones, like they'll say, oh, this is Strife's gun or Fury's whatever. Uh, but one focus is all like primarily on war, and then two focuses on death, and three is going to be about Fury. Gotcha. Uh, hopefully we'll get a fourth with Strife, because that would be great. Um, <coughs> that, going back to Neil Gaiman for a second, that sounds kind of, it sounds cool. It sounds like the Sandman really had like all the endless, and they were all siblings, and like, someone was always like someone always had to be dream or someone always had to be death or whatever like that. So yeah, they were siblings, but they could almost like come back and and be born anew. It's, 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 that's more along the lines of like full metal alchemist, um, with those seven deadly sins. So like you've got greed and greed Two, um, second one voiced for the fabulous duo of Todd Habercorn and Troy Baker. Um, but it's, it's not really like that because they're always the same person and they're always the same um, entity. So they, they don't reincarnate as different ones. I mean, we don't know that we've only got two games, um, but we'll see. I just When did they say that 3 was supposed to come out? 2018. That's a little bit of a ways away. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just excited we got an announcement for it. Yesterday was a good day for announcements because we also got a, a Code Geass Season 3 trailer. Um, which looks pretty good. Today we've got a Defenders trailer uh, for Netflix's Marvel series. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, it, it looks good. We'll see. But overall, uh, I am so excited for Darksiders 3. It looks like such a great game, even though we've seen no gameplay of it. Um, I'm, I'm just have, I have high hopes, which is dangerous uh, because we haven't seen yeah. we haven't seen Nordic make a Darksiders game from scratch yet. So, you know what though? Sometimes, sometimes a fresh um, set of eyes can do a series wonders and just yeah, kind of propel it forward. Like retro Metroid, you know, probably no yeah. better example than that. So, so um, I, I watched the and I read the thing about Dark Siders and like I I thought it looked pretty cool. So that kind of that kind of pushed me to kind of get on um, playing Dark Siders one. So yeah, I'm yeah, excited. I, I, I always like I always like series like that. So I might try to get the the War Mastered version on pc and play that because I, I i love dark Siders. it's it's definitely one of my favorite series of all time um, um when i was i was googling dark Siders really quick when we started talking about this and you can get dark Siders one and two remasters bundled together for as little as 10 bucks uh the articles on GameSpot. i don't know if that's just on xbox live or PlayStation no, network or whatever. it's on uh steam too i think it's just across the board um, yep, because it, uh, so the bundle is officially called Darksiders Furious Collection: War and Death. So you've got uh, you can get you got, both games and the soundtrack for ten bucks. So that's you got good. one day. It's a one day deal. So this will be over by the time you hear it. Um, but hopefully you you've already yeah. got it. Troll, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go get it now. Just kidding. It's actually it's Skip not. Skip to the next time section. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> So I just wanted to gush about Dark Siders three. I'm gonna talk about it in the news section at the end of the week, and I hope that I can rein it in because I'm just so excited. I, I it's such an amazing series, guys. You you don't even know unless you've played it, then you definitely know. And if you disagree with me, then you're wrong. Okay, so I'm gonna throw something out there too, since we're not really talking about Zelda, but I just want to throw this out there too. I just I mentioned that I was playing Axiom Verge. You guys, if you like Metroid and you're sad that you haven't played Metroid in like 10 years, go get Axiom Verge. It is a true spiritual successor to Super Metroid. Looks like Super Metroid, plays like Super Metroid, has the same kind of 
uh, foreboding atmosphere as Super Metroid while still feeling pretty modern. It's it's good. It's, it's really good. It's difficult too. Yeah, that game is difficult. Yeah, it's no pushover. So, uh, yeah, have at her. Yep. So, next topic then, final topic. Uh, I was scrolling through Facebook today, um, as I do quite frequently, and I saw, I think it was an article from Nintendo Life talking about, uh, gosh, what was it? Whatever the name of the game was, it's a TurboGrafx-16 game. Uh, they're putting it on the Wii U's virtual console. Um and you might be thinking, why Why would they do that? The Wii U's, Wii U's dead. They're not even like referring to it anymore. Well, that's mm-hmm. a great question that I'm having myself. Why continue to support a dead console's virtual console um, instead of porting these games over to Switch and giving that ga- that console a proper console? Because I guarantee you far more people are going to want to play games like A Link to the Past and you know even the original Legend of Zelda, Super Mario World, that stuff on the go with them. Um, absolutely in 720p like they're definitely going to want to do that more than they're going to want to play it on the wii u uh not only that you just want to be able to play it on the go like exactly i can't even my wii is in the living room so i can't even take it to bed and play without it skipping and hopping because it's too far away yeah and it just it blows my mind that they're still doing something like this um because it's 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 the, the console's dead it's dead to rights there's, there's no reason to continue supporting it with virtual console games. Um, so so why, do you, why do you think they're doing that? Because they don't have the, the, con, the virtual console ready for Switch, which is, like, mind-blowing. Like, I, I get that you announced that the Switch was coming out in March and that, you know, it'll probably make for a really nice announcement at E3 when you say, like, the virtual console's here and, you know, there, there's all these great games for it. But... I just don't understand. Like, like me personally, I haven't bought anything on the 3DS Virtual Console or the Wii U Virtual Console because I'm holding out hopes, and I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm holding out hopes that Nintendo gets its act together once you buy a game on the Switch's Virtual Console, you own that game across any future consoles that it comes that it comes on, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I just don't know. I, like, like, nobody has... Uh, a Wii U. The people that do have a Wii U have probably put it away. Like maybe you get a little bit more traffic now that Breath of the Wild is out, and you have some people that didn't upgrade to the Switch playing your Wii U's. Like, I, I guess, but like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, first and foremost, like Turbo Graphics games <laughs> probably aren't going to be the hot draws that that are going to get people playing your Wii U's or whatever. So. And it's it's funny because the Switch has like a crap ton of, of neo geo games and they're only adding more mm. and the company that did neo geo and that's made these games is making bank it's got like two hundred thousand downloads for these games it's a ridiculous amount of downloads i know that's total so it might not seem like a lot but for for neo geo games that for is the a lot that it probably took to port them over <laughs> yeah they're doing pretty good they they uh they're they're not hurting for money at this point and so it doesn't make sense that Nintendo would put a third-party company's consoles games on their virtual console before they put, like, their first-party games. So that's like if Nintendo was like, hey, guys, we got the original Metal Gear uh, game mm. for the uh, virtual console. Um, that might actually might not actually be the best example. Um, 
But well, I, like I think it's important to note though that there is a difference between a virtual console and the uh, the online store, right? So yeah. Those games are in the online store, so like, I I know I know essentially they're like the same thing, but it's it's uh, more of a matter of semantics at that point because they're just yeah. not categorized as part of a virtual console. They're they are games that were on another console that are being emulated on the Switch. Right. So it's like a virtual. So it, this just tells me that Nintendo doesn't have its own games ready to go for the virtual console because if they have other games that you know you could probably just find on a virtual console, but they don't have any of their <laughs> own classics that you know that tells me that something is is not ready. So maybe that's well, GameCube games. That's the only thing I can think of that would hold up production it, it, like this. But that doesn't make sense. Like why wouldn't put out like Super Mario Bros. or Super Mario World? Or I, I guarantee you those games aren't difficult to put out no, like at all. i can i can emulate them on my iphone i don't I, I want feel like to the only i feel like the only thing is that nintendo wants to announce you know it, it's big virtual console uh, ready to go there's like 40 games or all the classics that you want instead of like kind of having them dribble out all at the same time because otherwise it just doesn't make sense at all but well, it like doesn't I make can... sense to launch a switch without a virtual console so well i can understand for a while, why they wouldn't have like, oh, we got the class, the NES Classic Edition and the Mini, so you've got those like forty something, sixty, whatever, however many games are on that thing, um, that you can go get if you're one of the lucky people in the entire world that got one. Uh, mm-hmm. But now that they have discontinued that, and apparently that was their plan all along, was to only have a limited release of these things. It, that it, which is which is hogwash. <laughs> I, I've I've been rating a few things on the NES Classic, so I'll have some thoughts about that. But it, what a disaster! It just it just doesn't make sense why they would why delay this. Like I I have to agree with Colin Moriarty on this. Like whenever he was talking about the Switch and whenever they were releasing it, he's like, this thing seems rushed. Like it doesn't have proper online. It doesn't have a virtual console. And I'm not saying that it needs either of these things to succeed. Obviously, it's doing just fine. Um, mm-hmm. But without this i think this you have stuff, zelda to thank for that though oh <coughs> well, yeah no that's time. that's pretty much the only reason why it's selling as well as it did yeah. um was to play zelda on the go and to play an hd zelda game that runs at a, at a better frame rate than on the wii u that's... imagine if they would have launched this with a lesser game than breath of the wild like imagine if this would have launched with, like luigi's mansion or whatever the hell <clears> the wii u <throat> launched with like they'd probably be in trouble I don't know what the Wii U launched with. That was actually the only Nintendo either. console that... Well, not the only one, but that was one of the first Nintendo consoles that I didn't buy at launch. Because I just... I was like, ah, I don't know about this, and I still don't know about it. Um, even though I've had it for, you know, however many I, long years. I don't know. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, like if they, if they were worried about people buying, you know, um, virtual games versus buying the NES Classic, if there was stock of the NES Classic, that might be a thing, but there wasn't, yeah. so... It doesn't make sense that they're not there. The, my, my only hope is that they're delaying it because the games aren't ready and they're linking all of your accounts all across the board so that way when you purchase something, it's it's there, it's yours, you never have to buy it again. It just, it, it bugs me. That makes sense. Bugs me the way that Nintendo creates artificial demand for yes. things that they put out and create. Like that's probably my biggest complaint with them as a company is how they do that because here's here's the only thought process that I could think of that they would be doing this for aside from the thing that you mentioned that it's not ready is they were like, Oh, well we can cremate, create cremate. Yeah. That's what they're doing with the company. Um, yeah. create artificial demand for this by having a very limited supply of NES classic games that 
run at you know as as close to HD as we can get them. Um, it's officially licensed Nintendo emulator uh, system. The emulator's a little sketchy there, um, but it has all these games on it. They're 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 ready. They're they're there. You don't have to buy anymore. And you know it's sixty dollars, but we have a limited supply, so get them while you can. So a lot of people are going to want them to play those games and to play play them on a on a for all intents and purposes an original NES system. So the demand for not only the the NES Classic goes up, but for the Virtual Console games goes up. Because you're like, oh, well, I, I want to play uh, Legend of Zelda, and I want to play Castlevania. Um, things so, that... And, and have, so you, the, the, have you ever read the book Console Wars? Yes. They're making a so, movie out of it, too. Yeah, there's, there's a passage in there which kind of shows why Nintendo is the way they are with their artificial demand. <laughs> So, like, back back in the early 80s when the video game market crashed or whatever, Nintendo brought in a guy named Peter Main to be VP of marketing and sales or whatever. So he implemented this strategy that was to always, always under-deliver to, A, make sure that Nintendo always had the upper hand with uh, licensors and retailers or whatever. B, to make sure that they were... There wasn't so much shovelware on the on the shelf to to prevent a, another crash, and then see so that like people are going to a Nintendo frenzy, and like as annoying as it is, it still persists to this day with the NES Classic, with Amiibo, with the Wii, like like all of that. You can just see that it's still how they think, which is like so frustrating because it probably made sense in the early '80s when you had no competition, but now it's just like you're just making people upset. You know, uh, there's no reason for it. It's just, and, and, and here's the thing, like, I can understand, like, a limited edition Breath of the Wild thing, because you don't, that that would lose its value. Mm-hmm. Like, the Master Collection, would Master Edition would have lost its value in the eyes of the fans if everyone could get one. If everyone could get the sword and the poster and all that stuff, like, with, you know, if anyone could get it, it wasn't limited, then it would be like, oh, well, you know, this isn't that special. Like, I can't say, oh, yeah, at least I've got this. It's like everybody has this. Um, even though it's a little bit more expensive, you basically overpaid for something everybody's going to have. But now they're rare things. Um, and that I understand. That That is completely fine because it's a limited edition thing. Um, it's, you know, as they probably made even, bank even off then, of Even then, that's kind of annoying to me. Well, but, but game companies have always done that. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, they do that with movies. They do that with games like the Infamous 2 Collector's Edition, the uh, Borderlands Collector's Edition. They're all like incentives um, to get people to bot, spend extra, extra money on yeah. the game um, and to get the game early, pre-ordered. Uh, but when it comes to things like consoles and games, I've never understood shorting supply or limited editioning basic consoles. So basically, Nintendo missed out on a crap ton of money. By limiting Tons. the NES Classic like that. Because when, when else are you going to buy it except before Christmas? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like you're going to want to go on a hunt for this stuff. Well, and, and uh. the thing is, like, it doesn't make sense why they would... St- I guarantee you this thing was not expensive to make. It was not like no. the, the Switch where it was super, super expensive. And, like, if it costs $60, I guarantee you it did not cost that much to, to make these games or make this system. I bet you it cost about as much as, like, a Amiibo to make. 
and then the cost of putting the, the chip that had all the games in there, which yeah. can't be that much. This <laughs> and, is the and, only theory that makes sense to me about the NES Classic and the Virtual Console as well, is that Miyamoto and Reggie are running an illegal operation where Reggie's taking all of those NES Classics, he's selling them on eBay for like triple the price, taking in that money, delaying the launch of the Virtual Console. Because other than that, it doesn't make sense. It, I just so if you're doing that, Reggie, respect. I, I just don't Good understand plan. a lot of their business decisions. <laughs> like I, I rarely ever do with Nintendo, um, because they're just so crazy. A lot like it's it's almost like they're throwing darts blindfolded, and whatever sticks sticks, and whatever doesn't, they're like, ah, well, screw it. Um, and so that's why we've got it's definitely stuff. frustrating to be a Nintendo yeah. fan. Sometimes they they produce such good stuff, but they make liking them so hard, you know. Well, and here's the thing: like, I'm sure there might be instances of this with, you know, um, games, other games, and other companies like Sony or Microsoft. I just can't think of any um, where they would do something like no. this, like Nintendo was currently doing, and short supply for it to miss out on money that they could possibly be making or that they would be making. Like I guarantee you that NES could have sold hundreds of thousands of more units if they just Millions kept it going. Units. They really, there was 2.3 million. That could have been 20 million if they would have been smart. I just, I don't and, understand. And you know what? To give, to give credit where credit is due, they, there was an article that they were like flying out switch consoles to, to retailers. And that was, you know, an extra expenditure that they took just to make sure that people could find the switch. So like, yeah, you know, props to you. Um, if we had to, if you know, if I had to pick, what's more important? Obviously, the switch is more important. Yeah. So if you're if you're going to do that, I'm glad that you're doing it for for the well, switch. That's a more expensive business venture for them, anyways. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because if the switch fails, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that Nintendo's probably done making consoles, right? So it well, looks like the switch is going to be quite the success. So that's good. <laughs> so they just they just it, can't do this with the switch. You the know? thing like, that bugs me, I guess, the most about this is that the NES Classic was so cheap. Basically, I think it was 30 games on it, so you're basically paying $2 a game. Um, which I know that's not realistic. Like, you've got manufacturing costs, and you've got the cost of the actual console and the motherboard and stuff. So let's say, like, $1.39 per game. When they come out on the Switch, the game, these games are going to be like 5 bucks, 6 bucks, whatever it is. The typical Nintendo overpricing of a virtual console game that's been out for eons. Mm-hmm. Um and that sucks because yeah. now people want to play these games on on a Nintendo console that's not the Wii U. I get like a lot of people do not have the Wii U. A lot of people are not going to go get the Wii U, especially with the Switch out now. They they're going to want these games, but you, they're they're being forced not necessarily forced, but if they want them, they have to pay these exuberant prices for them, um, or go yeah. buy a Wii U and buy them on there. It's, you know, nobody's buying a Wii. Like maybe at like the pawn shop for thirty bucks, somebody's buying a Wii U. But like, come on. Well, I know people probably bought them used from GameStop in order to get uh, Breath of the Wild. Like that's probably the only that probably the biggest sale of Wii U's Nintendo's ever seen was when Breath of the Wild came out. Probably. Um, I just uh, I don't really understand their business model with this. Like I I, I mean I understand why they're doing it, like to an extent, but I think it's stupid. You know, you're missing out on money, and unless their whole goal here was to create demand for these games in, in such a high quantity that people will go to the Switch store, the eShop, whenever they, they 
put the virtual console out and pay five or six dollars for these games uh, and so they can upcharge sense. them and you know the weird thing about the nes classic 2 is that in instances before where nintendo kind of manufactured its own demand eventually they got a handle on it and delivered this stuff like you could find the wii you could find amiibo but like this time there was just like well just i don't know about the amiibo the, thing to, the... to like to a lot better extent like if you if you go into a store now you can like at least at least when i go into a store like I can see some Fire Emblem amiibo, or I can see like Pit, or like some of the some of the harder ones that there were to find. But there are always like, still like lot, the but... the harder ones to find. Like you know, uh, I I see Robin all the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, never see Ike, Marth, or Lucina. Um, I don't see Dark Pit anymore at Best Buy. It was a Best Buy exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he, they they created that was an artificial demand. Um, that, that was and to be fair amiibo is a lot tougher because <laughs> there's like 70 different amiibos right so well also they were all handmade which was probably mm-hmm. just such a stupid decision um but with the Wii, they didn't anticipate it being as popular as it was so i can that's that's forgivable like i don't think they were like okay let's you know the gamecube uh... didn't sell well well like th- that's the thing like the gamecube didn't sell well it ran on the same pretty much the same exact uh system it's a different version of gecko um and <coughs> the the gamecube didn't wasn't like a huge seller success as much as we look back on that console and nintendo fans with such fond memories the gamecube was not a critical success in in, mm, it, in the eyes i, of I think it barely i don't even know if it outsold the xbox it, it barely and so i and don't the xbox outsold gamecube a ton mm-hmm. in america Nintendo probably was like, yeah, the Wii's going to be popular. I don't think people are going to be killing each other over trying to get Wiis. Um, I don't I don't think that they foresaw that happening. So that's slightly forgivable. Like, they were probably like, okay, let's ship out, like, you know, 500,000 to this, this county in Texas or whatever to these mm-hmm. stores. And they're like, yeah, maybe we'll sell, like, you know, 300,000 of them over, over the, the holiday season. And then all of a sudden it blew up, and so everybody wanted one, and they're like, "Crap, we didn't expect this to be as big as it was," and so that's when they had to double down on production and stuff. The Wii was not like that at all. Um, no, and they thought it would be, which is really funny. And so, I can forgive them for the Wii being being in short supply. That was that was them not expecting to sell as much as they did, and selling a a huge amount. Yeah, I, I don't I, know. Maybe it's just because I've been like burned by Nintendo trying to find their special edition this or like Amiibo that or, or whatever. So many times I'm just not. Well, I'm not forgiving them for what they're sure doing now. They actually, yeah, but like I'm just saying just, for the Wii, I don't think that they fully intended on doing on having that much success with it. Like, technically, Wii Sports is like the best selling game of all time. I think. I don't think they ever intended for that to happen or ever thought that was going to happen. Um, what, what's really rich is that apparently there's going to be a SNES classic, which is like, for me, it's like you burned so much goodwill with NES classic. Like, I, I don't know, you know? Well, the problem is nobody nobody really, well, that's not true. There are people that are willing to camp out for these things. But the average consumer, me, for example, I'm not going to, like, I, I have too much to do to go camp out at Target overnight or whatever to get mm-hmm. a, an SNES classic. Like, I, I can't do that. And so I'm gonna miss I just out. I don't want to. Like, I can't imagine a lot of people that do. I shouldn't like, have. I'm a hardcore to... Nintendo fan. Yeah, it's like I shouldn't have to camp out to get one of these things. 
I should yeah. be able to walk into a store. You know, I could walk into a store, get a Retron 5. And I have got, I think I have the three, Retron 3 or 4. And I can play my SNES games or NES games. Um, and people will go do that because they, they don't have an NES uh, possibility now. They can't just go get the, the console for 60 bucks. It's like three four $400 on eBay. I can go get a Retron for, you know, 100 bucks and play my SNES and, and NES games. And even, you know, Genesis now and Game Boy Color with the Retron 5. So you have all these options. It's like, I understand that Nintendo is like, oh, yeah, we, we did something good here for the fans. But, like, not did really. You? Yeah, not not really. You've turned nostalgia into outrage in, like, five short months. That's what so, Nintendo typically does, though. I wouldn't say that that's anything new. Yeah. <coughs> I, I, got I got something for you. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. I, uh, for a final topic. Final topic. Okay. So I wrote uh, something the other day about Ganondorf and uh, retiring him from the series, being a villain or whatever. And I was expecting a lot of people to dump on the villains that I chose to uh, to kind of use an example of a good character arc for a villain. So I chose Sephiroth, Kuja, both from Final Fantasy uh, Seven mm-hmm. and Nine, Albedo from Xenosaga, Liquid Snake from Metal Gear Solid, and the Elusive Man from Mass Effect. What are your top five that you would put on a set list like that? Of, of best villains of all time? Yeah, like in terms of their character and their and their arts and their stories. Um, sorry, I'm putting you on the spot for this. I just thought yeah, of this. This one, this one takes a, like in video games specifically. Video games specifically, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't, I can't give you an order, but I'd not? probably, I'd probably say Liquid Snake is one of them. Um, because he and to a lesser extent, this is this is the same one. Um, but like Revolver Ocelot. Because he's kind of a villain sometimes, not really sometimes. Uh, it's his character it's arc is just he's like a triple agent, he's... <laughs> and then he eventually gets taken over by Liquid Snake because of the arm that was implanted on his spot. Like <laughs> yeah. just the the most ridiculous thing yeah. that you could have come up with for it. But it's Metal Gear Solid, so it's not exactly grounded in in reality most of the time. Um, but that that was a good one. Um, let's see. Uh, I know I was thinking about this the other day. Um, just different games that I was, I've been playing. Um, well, I... Gosh. So those are your top five, right? Th- those were those were the five <coughs> that I thought of in no, particular, in no particular order or anything like that that just had kind of really cool defined arcs. I mean, I really like Skull Kid as a villain. Mm-hmm. Um... Just because of his arc and like, oh man, my friends are leaving me. I, you know, I'm going to make everybody else's life miserable now. And then he realizes what he's done and he's heartbroken over it. And then Majora, you know, does that whole thing. So you could say either Majora is the main villain or Skull Kid or both. Um, <coughs> Tom Nook's got a great character arc for a villain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know. I just I haven't like I've thought about it, but I haven't given it too much thought in terms of like character arcs. Like I have favorite villains, um, just because they're part of my favorite game. You mm, could say Shadow too. the Shadow the Hedgehog. Um, I mean, like that's that's like a really campy answer, but he's got some sort of a character arc, even though it's the most cliche thing you could find in a video game right now. Um, but in Sonic Adventure Two specifically. He has a good character arc in terms of, um, you know, I hate humanity, but now I'm going to give them a chance. 
and then he dies. Spoiler warning. Um, but not really, because we got mil- another Sonic game after that. No, he was. Not, he was in several. He he died in Sonic Adventure Two, and then they brought him back in Sonic. I think was Hero. I think Heroes was after that, and then they brought him back in Shadow the Hedgehog, which is really confusing because there's no real like idea of canon for that game since it's a branching off game, and they just kind of pretend it doesn't exist. Um, and then you've got uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 06, uh, which they probably Not also going on there for me. They also ignore that that game exists. So he's I, I liked him in Sonic Adventure uh, two. Um, in terms okay. of other characters, other villains, uh, I mean, I haven't actually. You're gonna hate me for this. A lot of people are. I haven't actually played Final Fantasy VII all the way through. Uh, I've just I've never gotten. Around. I have it in my Steam backlog. I can play it whenever I want. I just have not been it's, able to. It's tough to play now. I wanted to replay it a few years it's, ago. It's just so dated. Yeah. It's it, it, Final Fantasy IX still plays really well. It looks really well. Like it looks good, even though it was made like 18 years ago now. Yeah. I, like that's probably my favorite RPG is Final Fantasy IX. So. Oh, I remembered. Um, what's his name? Oh, it's not Wexler. That's from Resident Evil. Uh Oh my gosh, I have to look this up. It's this is this is probably I always forget about the series, but uh, oh, what was his name? What was his name? series is it uh kessler from infamous um he was actually he i'd probably rank him up there with solids or with a liquid snake in terms of like who he like in terms of how like evil he was quote unquote um because like technically he's not but he is um it, that that's it's complicated unless you've played the game. He's future Cole. Um, sorry, it's 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 an old game. You're not gonna get any spoiler warning from me there. Uh, and he's future Cole, and he went back in time to make Cole into someone that could defeat the beast. And so he literally put himself like he knew what this would do to him. Um, like I'd actually have to probably say that he's my favorite villain in a video game. When um, he was like, you know. You you they always go with the good endings for these games in terms of canon. So the good ending is Triss dies um, at the hands of Kessler basically, and Kessler's Cole. So Cole killed the woman he loved so that he could be strong enough to defeat the Beast, um, which is like this giant massive um, <coughs> conduit. And I, I just think that that was probably one of the most interesting. I've never seen that in a story before. There, it probably existed outside of that. I was young when I played this game. Um, great villain. Uh, if you, you do classify him as a villain. Um, I'd probably have to say him, honestly. Cool. Sorry uh, that I went on a ramble there. But, like, the, yeah, it's probably my... Sorry, I put you on the spot there. It just popped up. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just say, like, okay, so we got Kessler, we got Liquid Snake, Revolver Ocelot, Majora, and Skull Kid. So there you go. There's my five. Uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. 
there's my there's my on the spot response. I can probably think of something better, but let us let us know yours, everybody. Yeah, and those and comments what below. Think, what you think about any of our other topics? Mm-hmm. And uh, sorry that we told you about the Dark Siders sale three days too late, but it's okay. You'll forgive us. We, we tried, which is what really counts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you guys guys next week. I think next week. I don't think I have anything next week. Yeah, next week. It's it's right. this these next few weeks are gonna next, be a little next stressful. Week, next week I'll, I'll <laughs> dive into that Zelda philosophy book. I didn't get a chance to read it. Everybody's so sorry about yeah. that. The, the next few weeks are gonna be a little up in the air for me. I know that we'll have it consistently, hopefully until the week of the 14th because i'll be on my honeymoon uh but yeah we'll get all that out and uh we'll see you guys next week all right see you guys bye